0: And um, somebody said, "Oh, I know who he was now, but let's let's look at Second uh, Kings chapter four. And uh, this is the story of Elisha as he was uh, he had taken over for Elijah. Now, um, Elijah had gone to, up to heaven in the whirlwind, and Elisha was the main prophet now in the land of Samaria. And uh, we come here to verse eight of Second Kings chapter four, and it came to pass, and it, oh, I'm sorry, and it fell on a day that Elisha passed through uh, Shunman, Shunim, and there where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread, And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither and turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant. Now, this is where we meet Gehazi. Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? Now here we meet Gehazi. And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. So we meet Gehazi, and he was a man of insight. I mean, here we have the prophet of God saying, what can I do to uh, bestow a blessing upon this woman for all that she's doing? And he's standing there just literally scratching his head and, and trying to figure out what to do. And Gehazi, his servant, says, uh, uh, he's not being uh, uh, belligerent in any way, but he's, he's just saying, uh, uh, Elijah, I mean, Elisha, uh, she doesn't have a son. And her husband's old; she has no hope of having a child. Um, that is uh, the issue that would be a blessing to her. And you, you say, "Boy, that 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 should be rather obvious, shouldn't it?" But it wasn't obvious to Elisha. It was Gehazi who was paying attention to all the details and and, and working these things out. And so we see that. Uh, just because Gehazi was a servant of Elisha, he was not just some um, uh, hick from the sticks. He wasn't just getting along. He wasn't just letting life happen to him. He w- he was a man of activity. He was he was very thoughtful. He was working, and and, and all of these things. And so Elisha calls uh, the woman and says, "You're going to have a son," and and she says. Uh, uh, you got to be kidding me! Don't uh, don't lie to me. Is actually what she said, but the woman did have a son. He grew up. You read the story. It has all the symptoms of what we would call sunstroke. He went out into the field with his father, and he says in in uh, the little boy in verse nineteen, he said unto his father, My head, my head, and he said unto said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. I mean, it was harvest time. Uh, If the harvest didn't get uh, brought in, they would starve. And the father didn't even think it was very serious. But the little boy sat on his mother's lap for several hours and died. Now, she went straight to the man of God. And as we read the story here, we look at Gehazi in verse... Twenty-seven. It says, and when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But but Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thine loins. And take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not, and if any salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them, and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him, and told him, saying, The child is not... Oh wait! Now, here we have quite a journey. We don't know exactly how long this journey was—several hours at the least—as this uh, woman is uh, bouncing uh, along through the hillside. And if you've ever ridden on a horse or a donkey or anything like that, I mean, it's—it's uh, it's not. It's not a comfortable ride. I mean, those things they'll uh, they'll bounce you up and down. You have to get used to that. And I'm sure uh, she was not used to all of those things. But Gehazi runs on foot. Gird up thy loins, meant to get ready to run. He said, "You're gonna, you're doing the long distance run. You're going the whole way there." He didn't wait for Elijah to show up. He did what he was told. He came back. And he met them in the way before they got to the house. Now, that tells me a pretty busy fellow. That tells me somebody was working awful hard just because Elisha said so. You know, these are all very good character traits, are they not? Gehazi, we're not sure whether it was actually him or not, but we get to chapter 5 and uh, Naaman the captain of the host of Syria comes to the king of Judah to be healed. And it says Elijah sent his servant to the door to tell Naaman to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now, we're not 100% sure, but uh, Gehazi was his servant, so chances are it was Gehazi that withstood the uh, fierceness of Naaman. Naaman was a general. Uh, was Naaman happy when the servant showed up at the door? No, he was insulted. Where's the prophet? The prophet's not coming. What do you mean the prophet's not coming? The prophet sent me to tell you to dip into Jordan River seven times. It says that Naaman was full of wrath. I mean, he was... He was ready to go out and kill somebody. I mean, that's what generals did in those days. And here was Gehazi. He didn't back down. He didn't go say, Elisha, you got to come solve this problem. This guy's not going to take me for an answer. You, you No. He stood his ground. But we see that he took it one step too far, didn't he? Go to verse 20 of chapter 5. Verse 20. Now here's where Gehazi made his fatal mistake. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master has spared Naaman, this Syrian, in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. Now, Naaman had offered great riches to Elisha for healing him from the leprosy. His servants had convinced him that if the prophet had said, go do some great act, you would do it. Why can't you just do this simple thing? God was trying to teach Naaman something. See, Naaman's religion, everything came with a price. You could have anything you wanted in Naaman's religion, if you had enough money to buy it. Boy, doesn't that sound like religion today. There's a lot of things there. God was trying to teach Naaman that his religion wasn't bought with money. But Gehazi, Gehazi was going to get something. He was a man of industry, we might say. He found him a couple of people. He said, listen, I'll give you ten bucks if you'll go with me and do what I say the way I say it. And ten bucks was a lot of money in those days. Uh, I mean, a certain amount, a couple of shekels, whatever it was. It was more than a day's wages. And they went with him and they did exactly what he said. And he said, I've got two sons of the prophets that are with me. And... and uh uh I need a couple of changes of raiment and, and a talent of silver. Now, a talent of silver is 75 pounds. 75 pounds of silver is a good deal of income. It would be many years' wages. Now, Naaman, he was used to religion by purchase. And he messed up what God was trying to teach Naaman. But Gehazi. Ended up with two talents of silver. He ended up with a fortune. He was a rich man. He put them in the tower. He locked them in the local safety deposit box. He goes back and he goes, I'm going to just be like nothing ever happened. And Elisha won't know a thing. And Elisha did know, didn't he? Now, look at the interesting way this is reported here in the last part of the chapter. Verse 25, But he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said, Whence comest thou Gehazi? Now, look at the silly answer that Gehazi gives him. Thy servant went no wither. I didn't go anywhere. What a lie. Now, and he said, Elisha said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Who was Gehazi serving? It was the prophet of God. Didn't he think God knew? But here's Gehazi's problem. He wanted something he despised Naaman. He said, I'm going to get something from this Syrian. And the Bible tells us that judgment upon him, verse 27, the last verse, the leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto, unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper, as white as snow. Now, that last phrase there is really important. How many of you have been doing your Bible reading schedule? Remember reading through. Numbers 13 and 14, you read all of those things. If his issue is deeper than the skin, if it's this, if it's that. But if you read the whole, if you remember, if the leprosy went from head to toe and is turned white and there's no raw flesh, he is what? Clean. So Gehazi was able to still live among the children of Israel He was not unclean living in the leper colony. He got his money. In fact, the next time and the last time we see Gehazi in the Bible, he is talking to the king. He has reached the levels of society that he so desperately wanted. But he was a leper. And his son would be a leper. And his grandson would be a leper it would cling to his seed forever it says but you know the appearances are that Gehazi would rather have the leprosy and the money than to have his service for God and no money Gehazi was a man of ambition is what we call him be careful Ambition has destroyed more people than it's ever made. Let's go to chapter 8 and we'll finish right here. By the way, he was no longer Elisha's servant. And in chapter 8... In verse 4, And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, so the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since the day she left the land, even until till now. And so Gehazi was not against putting in a good word, but it seems that he was very comfortable in his newfound lifestyle at the expense of Naaman the Syrian. And the reason why we bring this little story, it's in here for a reason. Who was Elisha? He was the servant of Elijah, wasn't he? Elisha asked for great things. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah said, If you see me when I'm taken away, you can have that double portion. Gehazi said, I want a double portion of Naaman's riches. And though he attained great accomplishments and wealth in his life, there's no following testimony of him attaining anything in the service for the Lord. And this is what we need to learn from the life of Gehazi. There are things. If you, We still live in a land of great opportunity, do we not? If you if you really want to be rich bad enough, you can get it. But let's want to serve the Lord. Amen? Let's want to see God do great things. If we have a choice, let's ask for the Spirit, not for the shekel. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. And we look very quickly at the life of this man, Gehazi, not very much recorded. We ask that you would help us not to look to ambition, not to look to abilities. Lord, that we would not always be one of those people plotting and planning. We would not be one of those that has to do something, but we would be of that number that would ask for the spirit that we may serve you. We ask you to work in our hearts and lives and encourage us to just simply do right. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.